1: Hello and welcome to Indie Ninja's Attack, your secret guide to music industry domination for indies, managers, and artists. Powered by Indie.Ninja, the freelance platform for the music business. I'm your host, Matt Bacon of Dropout Media. And on these podcasts, we will be having real, practical conversations with some of the most respected names in the business. From the studio to marketing, we'll get you covered. On today's episode of Indie Ninjas Attack, we will be speaking with the guys over at Clandestine Music, Ula Garrett and Life Jensen. This is, I think, maybe only the second interview they've ever done together. So it's kind of a rare treat to get to hear them talk, get to hear them unveil some stuff. They gave me a ton of time, which was obviously a huge honor because these guys are incredibly knowledgeable and have worked with so many people in metal and are very aware of and fond of their place in the metal ecosystem. It's really a treat to get to hear people who are this talented and clear about what their vision is and how they're going to execute upon it. Very interesting guys to get to get in deep with. Let's get into the show. So I'm here with the guys from Clandestine Music. Ula Garrett. Hello. Life Jensen. How are you guys today?
2: Pretty good. Thank you. How about yourself?
1: wondering how long this will go on
0: (laughs) and and just to say uh so yeah this is Yula. just so you know who is who so um but yes I'm doing very well thanks my and uh life
1: yeah
2: I'm the guy with the black shirt I'm doing really good thank you
1: unlike me thank you for clarifying the color of shirt I'm an audio podcast
2: it's it's a it's a boy uh I would like to say this is Outer Limits. Yeah, it's a with Outer Limits. How about you
1: guys?
0: I realized I'm wearing a uh, psychotic waltz uh, t-shirt from Prague Power a few years ago.
1: I'm wearing a a uh, Christmas sweater with a cat on it, and it's really gross, <laughs> and I love it.
0: <laughs> and, then,
1: and then beneath that, I'm wearing a Witch Mountain shirt from their 2014. Props to Nathan.
2: Yeah, what's up, Nathan?
1: Much love. But the point being, for those not in the know who are not necessarily interested in t-shirts. Can you tell us about each of your backgrounds a little bit and how Clandestine music kind of started? Like,
2: I didn't raise the hand here in the program. Sorry, guys. Um, well, yeah, I'm basically, uh, uh, as long as I can remember, I've been into metal. I started as a fan, like as everybody else would, I guess, just being into music. Um, uh, Fanzining, putting up shows locally, playing in a band, touring um recording got me into music business randomly uh been working with labels since the late 90s and cross path uh at the really good point of time with this other guy eula garrett and we started Tennyson together uh at some point it's been a while already like 12 years as well right 12 13 years 14 yeah holy shit yeah so basically that's that's the short version of the story but been doing a little bit of everything and all at the same time pretty much for the last 20 years
0: yeah uh and my thing was just also coming up like working in the metal record shop doing a a fanzine for some issues uh starting to write for a few metal mags like in the us and uk uh and then through that got uh, started working for record label in 94 um And since then, yeah, like 2006 is like when we just kind of like left our respective things and put together basically a company where we were trying to offer like consulting to bands, um, whether it's dealing with their negotiations or how to approach some of the business things or, um, contracts or, uh, some management services and basically just trying to help uh, a lot of artists avoid pitfalls wherever possible so that they don't make any sort of career ruining decisions by signing the wrong thing, basically.
1: And so, uh, yeah. And so I guess the question is like, because you're kind of a very particular company in the way you have tendrils in a lot of different areas, you know, how did that happen that you were able to sort of get your fingers in a lot of pies to kind of help people out?
2: Hmm. I, I would like to say it happened randomly it happened out of the various interests uh, in the various aspects of the music business that that we have and yeah and, and, and having gotten an understanding of each of them a little bit uh, I would like to say that I'm not perfect in anything that I do, but I do a lot of diverse and different things within the music business. So I'm not, I'm not very specialized and that eventually helped uh, this hub and this project that we, that we created, that it's a little bit of knowledge of everything. And, uh, hopefully the artists that we consult, um, yeah, can, can, take some of the advice and some of the some of the experience that we can offer for all of those little bits you know in the end of the day it's always a combination to me you know to me a good result is always it's always the combination of the the elements that go into the project uh so yeah that's that, that would be my take how it happened i'm not sure just i guess i guess um i i guess we dealt what what we had at hand right
0: I, I mean, I think obviously working, I mean, we both, you know, worked like independent label. Um, and when you you do that, you after enough years, you really inevitably wear several hats and you learn how to do different things or you move into different departments. So you you get some some training in different things like that. And coming from it, you know, like I, I just sort of like fell into the whole contractual legal side almost by accident, um, you know, and like life was like someone who was has been like a touring musician for a lot like a long time we kind of came at it from different approaches and we'd sat on the label side long enough where we knew what labels did and why and and what they were after and we also were trying to you know just help some bands like casually or whatever and seeing like you know what they were after and, and what they should do or not do um and so i mean you as, as long as you can look at it objectively and and Let's face it, you know, cutting to the the end of it, like we're both fans. I mean, we're fans of the music, you know, we're really kind of like here for the music more than a lot of anything, let's say more than status or, or money or anything like that. Um, but because of that, you know, you can just kind of like delicately walk a line as long as you, I think you do it objectively and you're realistic about things.
2: And, and I think Matt, the one thing that I that I that we also talked about at some point, um, the the music business and especially our, well, not especially our scene, but but um, the music business overall is, is morphing, is changing so much um, that it just felt like the right moment to to start a project like like this uh, and and be able to learn and tag along with with the development and with the changes. And I, I don't only mean like the the. The, the format you know like things going more digital or online or whatever but just just the overall approach for for an artist has changed quite a bit as compared to when I even started working the music business that uh, yeah that 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 maybe having been part of this last two or two and a half or three decades now uh, um, and and still be eager and fresh to it as fans uh, uh, help us help us be in the right Mind frame to to maybe give advice, right?
0: And and you know, I would say that we're not even we're not going to go out and claim that we're the most up to date people on everything in digital trends and uh digital marketing and things like this. But at least I think we know enough about you know your expected revenue streams and like how a band is trying to make a living if they're trying to make a living at it, which you know not a lot of bands do it's just something they do on the side and even so it's just you know what difference can we make and can we find a way to bridge the two worlds and put both sides together to give them both what they want without either side having to give in too badly
2: and for the lack of digital we know Matt, right
0: that's true the expert <laughs> yeah i try not to screw up
2: that's a good point that's you know that's that not be a bottom line for me as well
0: Yeah, you screw up and you just try not to screw up the same way twice. But you're going to make a lot of mistakes and just try not to make them catastrophic ones.
1: So why is it, you know, a lot of your a lot of the bands you work with are bands that already have something of a reputation. You work with smaller bands, too, but a lot, lot, many of the bands you work with have something of a reputation. They've been around, they've had deals, they might currently be in a deal. You know why do some of those bands hire you? Uh,
2: I mean, there is a lot of personal um, bonds between us and some of the bands we work with. So it might it might be a a long term situation where we know to trust each other or like each other. Um, I think when it comes to the size that you just mentioned, I think a very fresh and young band doesn't have so many tasks maybe doesn't have so many challenges doesn't have so many problems yet I think the when when you grow and especially if you are somewhat established you will be uh, running into certain situations where you maybe need you know a helping hand and advice uh, maybe somebody to to come in and even clear the situation for you and that's where we come into place so I, I think I think uh, uh, I've always mentioned that um, we're sort of like like Mainly working the midsize because the midsize is what we um, understand better when it, where it comes from and where it could go. And uh, with mis- midsize, I, I don't mean you know, I don't mean sales, I don't mean I don't mean like quality. I just mean the the fact that it's not total newcomers and it's not huge rock stars uh, uh, in in the sense of um, in the sense of already having experienced everything by themselves. So it's somewhere in between, basically.
0: Yeah, like these are like mostly bands playing clubs. They probably have a label deal. They know a bit of what they're doing. They've been doing this for a while. Like I said, they may or may not be making a full time living at it. Um, But yeah, I, I think a lot of this fell in just because, you know, I mean, not that we're dinosaurs in that sense, but it's like we've been around, I guess, long enough when you're 20 plus years that you get to know a lot of the people, and if you you get to see who's reliable and who really isn't, or who's there for, you know long term and who's just in it at the moment, uh, and I, then I think at some point when those people see you around a long time, they start to trust you and vice versa. So you get that, and then a lot of the other things that come our way is simply I think one of the artists that we know or someone we've dealt with will just go and recommend us to someone else that, you know, cause like bands talking, whatever, and they're like, hey, talk to these guys. And sometimes that's the best, you know, you can't really get a better recommendation than that. To try and go in and sell yourself cold to someone is just not my specialty. But if someone goes in and puts in a good word and then says, hey, talk to these guys, you're in good hands or whatever, then, you know, that makes it a lot easier. And once you have that bit of trust, then it's like, okay, they know we're not going to steer them wrong or we're going to try and do our best for them. And it, so it kind of snowballs in that sense. And in that sense, we've really never had to kind of advertise ourselves, thankfully, because I really don't enjoy that part.
2: I remember we we're talking about doing that at some point and we never found the time because we were busy enough, right? So, uh...
0: yeah, that's it. We're going to run like some magazine ads or some internet ads or whatever and then, you know, uh, build a website maybe. Nah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I guess the one thing that we haven't mentioned is that you need to be able obviously to afford additional people, additional staff to your band dream i guess you know like the um whereas i know that good management or or a good consultant can make himself paid or make herself paid for easily for any type of band any type of size of band i think that there is this there is a diy ethos that should be respected a band needs to learn to do a lot of the stuff by themselves rather than getting i mean it's not the first thing you should do as a band before you have a song to actually get a manager and a lot of people do that these days like sort of like um, I don't know if it's the industry expecting them to be ready before they're actually ready, um, but yeah. But uh, but a big part of me thinks that the band needs to needs to like grow themselves to a certain point, and then when you notice you are hitting a wall and you need you you need help from somebody else, that's when when we or other experts and uh, well so called experts in the in the in the business would come into play. I would say
1: yeah and and i think that's one of the interesting kind of pieces is like what you're doing kind of can be so amorphous to where it fits into the overall campaign how do you explain it to some of these bands who don't necessarily understand you know from a band perspective how do you how do you say like this is like someone says oh go to these guys for some advice they know what they're doing." But how do you how do you break down how clandestine works to someone kind of coming in cold? like
0: that? I, I mean, in that case, I don't even know that we need to. I think at some point when a band comes to us, we say, well, what is it that you need help with? Uh, and generally, they'll say, OK, you know, uh, we're in between deals now. We're trying to find a new deal or we don't understand, you know, what to do with our publishing or what about the, you know, this deal we signed back then. Can you look through this and tell us where we stand or Whatever it might be, I mean, if it's usually they're coming to you with a list. And if they don't know what they want, it's a bit tougher because we're not really there to just, you know, we're not selling ourselves as a full time thing. It's like, look, we're here for whatever you need. But that's why it's just, you know, you kind of whatever for a lot of these clients, they just it's like an a la carte thing. You just say like, OK, I just need an hour of advice to you to go through and tell me how this looks great. Or I need you to handle all of my business like this. It's like, OK, that's possible, too, depending on what they are.
1: And, you know, and I think that sort of the business manager stuff is is something that gets very tricky very quickly. How do you how do you find ways to make to avoid conflicts of interest and make sure that everyone feels comfortable and like that you're dealing with an appropriate level of transparency?
0: Um, That's a tough one. I mean, that's a really, really tough one. And I think in. In many cases, if you look at a lot of what we do, you could easily say like, oh, there's so much conflict of interest there. But I mean, you know, I'm not beholden to anyone. I'm I'm really out for like if I'm, you know, uh, brought in by an artist, I'm out there to get the artist the best thing they can or to make them happy and I can just give advice or whatever, but that in the end, that's all it comes down to. And I come into situations of course, where it's like I get with a band that I'm working with and then a label that I also will do work for. But then I'll say, look, I am here to be like the intermediary. I will, you know, if the band is there, like who I'm representing, that's what I do. I represent the band. And if I'm representing the label, then it's like, okay, how do we bring this together? Or how do you try and find a way? To deal with the people on their side and then still advise the band and say, okay, you know, and I think you can get this. I'm not sure about that. And here's what's realistic to ask for. And in the end, they have to make the decision of what they are comfortable with. Um, but yeah, you you probably could. It's just that we're, I mean, I guess the thing is we're not like really easily swayed by, like I said, like the whole status or money or whatever. So once you take that part out of the equation, it's kind of tough to like really fall prey to like maybe the wrong influence if you know what i mean
2: and and i would like to i would like to i i i completely agree with how you how you just put it you know i would like to add the um to add that most bands will hopefully have an understanding for where we come from and where we want to take them um and uh i haven't found myself needing to explain um Yeah, needing to explain myself and my role too much to the bands. And uh, if I get the feeling that 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 point is being pushed really hard, you know, that I actually have to... Um, I have to get out of my way to, to to make people understand my role, then maybe I'm in the wrong place anyhow in that moment, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. It's maybe sometimes better to extricate ourselves. If anyone has any doubts whatsoever, then it's just like, okay, look, you know, fine, I'll step aside, but let me at least, I can give you a couple people that could help you with this. Yeah,
2: and we've done a lot of times, you know, just cross-reference cross somebody else when we felt that, you know, that pe- person had a better expertise in a, in a, in a peculiar um, uh, situation or, or problem, or you know, or, or if we felt that there were doubts about uh, uh, about the content of the of the conversations that we had. So in that in that sense, you know, th- there is some there is so much work to do out there that I wouldn't stop uh, unless I I felt that it's that it's you know an okay match.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's such a vital piece. Of the music industry that I think gets ignored a lot is the people getting hired to do jobs they don't really fit for. You see, I think you see this a lot, and I want to talk about this with you, Ula. And you and I have talked about this a little one-on-one. Like, this idea of hiring lawyers or legal consultants, and like, those legal consultants maybe have done records for, like, huge bands, but they don't understand what a band getting their first deal on season of mist might look like. And it gets and it gets the band in trouble cuz they're they're spending a lot of money on what will probably never be that huge, you know, not huge on, in terms of mainstream bands type of advance. You know, how do you how do you manage expectations and how do you sort of show that your legal services might make a little more sense for a DIY band than like
0: Hiring someone who did, I don't know, Florida Georgia Line. I, I, I mean, it's it's I would say that's tough because it's not I don't really feel it's my job to convince them that I'm the right person for it. You know, um, but I definitely see instances where people engage the like the services of the, of the wrong person for the job and not necessarily legal. I mean, this could be. Yeah. You know, you can go all the way up the line about like, you know, but who you choose to work with, if they're not the right person for the, to understand like where you are and what you need, like, and, you know, because like you said, in some of this, yeah, it could be a deal with head kicker records or whatever, like just something really small. And then you have other deals, you know, that it's like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they want a part of your publishing and they want all your merch and they want everything. And like, this is going to be a much bigger deal. um, And then you have to kind of get someone commensurate based on, yeah, what level of you know what your status is, basically. Um, so I, I, I'm not really going to try and and put myself up or put anyone else down um, because I just I'm not comfortable with that in general, and I, I feel that's not it. If someone asks my opinion, they say like, "Oh, what do you think about working with this guy?" I could tell them like, "Oh, that actually that's a perfect match for you," or maybe you need someone with a little more clout, you know, like because maybe you're in like a, you're swimming in like slightly bigger waters than what that person deals with, or vice versa. Um, and it could be the same with me where people are like, Hey, you know, can you go out and get me branding and endorsement deals? And I'm like, no, not your guy. That's, that's not what I do. I'm not specialized in that. You know, there are people that probably do this all the time and are great for it, but no, I'm, I'm here like in a totally different niche. And so I feel content to stay like in my, where, you know, where I know I can make a difference, basically.
1: That's a really good way to put it. It's going where, you know, you can make a difference.
2: And 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 sometimes people need to be reminded, um, reminded of of. I'm not I'm not saying patronized, but like basically, basically reminded of what's maybe their best way to go. I mean, this is like the you know the death metal band that wants the big ass uh, '80s uh, rock producer to do their next album. You know, it uh, maybe somebody needs to tell them that a really good death metal producer is better for them than that big name that they saw on the back of their Guns N' Roses record. You
0: know. And, you know, and of course there are, there are people that will take advice and there are people that won't. And, sure. you know, I mean, the ones that are really like open to, to hear you out and I'm, and not to say that what you tell them is always right, but you can definitely see when people like, no, they know everything better. And then it's like, okay, well then I, I probably can't really help you because I think you already know what you want and, you know, I'm, I'm not really good at just fitting in and telling you that your decision is the right one because that's, that's not my job. My job is to maybe tell you what you why, what I think you're doing is wrong or how it could be better.
2: That, that, that brings me to one of my favorite problems with current consultancy jobs. Some people turn to two or three or four people for the same, for the same matter to ask for opinions and basically just want to hear their own answer. That's a, that,
1: that's a fun part of the game at this point. When I come across that, it, it always feels a little bit sad. Yeah. Because I feel like so often it's like, oh, well, you're, you're probably not thinking this through, and then you can tell they don't want to hear that, and it's like, okay, bro,
2: gotta move on there, right? Exactly. But but no, but you, you gotta identify that, and then just just you know be be uh, be aware of the fact that you know to each his own, right? I mean, some some people might just wanna uh in in theory just wanna done have it done their way. It's just that they feel better about it when somebody tells them, yeah, that's the right thing. You're doing the right moves. Um, th- that said, I don't take money for that. Like I don't, I don't want to be, I don't even want to be paid to to give an advice to somebody that that in reality doesn't want an advice, but they just want to hear that they're doing everything perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to me, and to me, that's what some people in the music business, you know, tend to do. Um, that's what some people, um, you know, like if you know if you know how an artist works, it's very easy to keep him happy and quiet at the same time. If you know what I mean, and I think that's a mistake because it's not it's not actually helping the guy. Um, yeah, like develop and become maybe a better, yeah, a, a better himself.
1: If someone clearly doesn't want advice and they and they come to you. Are, are you censoring them before they even, are you like feeling them out before you even get on the phone? Or how far do people get before, like how do your sort of bullshit sensors operate? <laughs> Does that make sense as a question? Huh.
2: I, I, I think, I think this is probably going to be very different, uh, very different between myself and Yula even. <laughs> I got a German censor. He's got an
1: American one. Elaborate on this. What's your German sense? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, b- b-
2: people sometimes find me too opinionated people find me too rude people find me too um, uh, maybe maybe sometimes a little bit too cold where I'm just trying to cut through the bullshit in that moment uh, and you know not not because I want to be that 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 hard ass guy with the with the with the strong opinion but just because I actually do believe in what I'm saying in that moment for for the client or for the artist that I'm trying to consult right? Um Don't be, you know, the, the the cliche of the of the German attitude towards things. You know, the humorless guy. That could be me, even though I'm 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 actually not really sure I am that guy. But in business, it maybe comes across that way. Does that make sense? I don't sense think you're me? that guy. But you know, but but we we have given each other a chance. You know, we have we've we've met in person. That always makes a huge difference. I Absolutely. can be sort of boring on email. Um, I've heard it before, like oh, you know, how come you want to give me this opinion so in my face? And I'm like, dude, I'm sending you an email. This is not about being in somebody's face. This is an email, right? That's my attitude. I like uh, the, the the schmoozing that some people do in, in in business is is fine, and I understand it, but I'm not sure it's always needed and always for the best of interests.
0: Yeah, I mean, Matt, it's like you know the, and you'll hear this especially soon, like once you're once you're moving. Um, you know one of the prime examples of americans and sort of like this um fake friendliness you know is just right away one of the first things they do when they see each other is like oh how are you doing and then you know people ask me like why do they ask how you're doing because from what they say after that it's clear that they really don't care how i'm doing and i'm like yeah it's just sort of like a they're not asking how are you doing it's just sort of like hey there and they're like, oh, well, that's a strange thing to say, you know, and then just be like a, a lot of those bands are also the ones that are like, oh, that was great. It's so great to see you, you know, or like, I mean, life. I mean, you know, you've heard the examples as well as just where a band's like, oh, yeah, we're going to take you guys out on tour. You know, the next tour we do, you guys are going to be our first choice. You're going to open all our shows, whatever. And of course, you never hear from that band again. Right. But they just they have to say it because they feel sort of socially compromised. If they don't, you have this like obligation to kind of put forth this like fake friendliness if you know what i mean Um, and so but it's sort of like separating and that's sort of like the american attitude in a way versus the the european attitude where it's like oh they're so harsh and direct it's like no they just skip that bullshit and so it's it's a bit of an adjustment period because you know there'd be just like you know you go up to a guy after a show that you just played and you're like oh what'd you think he's like i didn't like it that much And in the U.S., people really wouldn't say that very often, you know? They'd be like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And this sort of ties into, there's this idea I really like of, like, coconut cultures versus peach cultures. And the idea is, like, a coconut culture, it's, like, harder to crack through. But once you do, it's, like, very warm and welcoming. Whereas, you know, and that's, like, Germans or Scandinavians kind of, right? Where it's, like a little you know a little less willing to say how are you and then there's the peach culture where like people will tell you things about themselves but you can't really get at them even after knowing them for a long time you know because there's that hard nut in the middle
0: I would say life is that sort of you know um, coconut culture he's very very you know um, (laughs) welcoming once you break through the crust Uh, and I'm just kind of soft and useless so yeah yeah that fits
2: Um, but yeah, but going back to your question, actually, Matt, uh, about the, the 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 bullshit sensor, right? Um, I I'm not sure we need that necessarily because we oftentimes get involved with something that we are into that we feel we can do a positive, good difference for. And in that sense, uh, you know, if if we have that feeling that that's the place, then then that that answers all of the all, all of the demands in, the, in, in one point. And I've never been personally very impressed by you know the guy selling me his etiquette and this is my CV and this is all I do. And then the bottom line, um, you know, to me is like if I don't, if the music does not interest me and if the case does not interest me, there is nothing that I need to get involved with. You know, I, I just basically. Um, luckily happy enough so i'm i'm just not even lying if i tell the guy that i that i unfortunately don't have time for his matter no
0: and i but i, I have to say i i think both of us have pretty
2: isn't that also common sense a lot of times
0: yeah, but I mean, I, I would also say, though, that you and I have some uh, pretty good bullshit detectors overall. Like, you know, if we talk to someone, like, sometimes we'll just walk away and we'll be like, something's not adding up there. And it turns out that something didn't add up. You can tell when you're not getting all the facts. You know, when by the way, that they answer questions, whether, yeah. you know, that they really understand what you're asking or if they're sort yeah. of dancing around certain things. And it's like a lot of times like, yes, but this again, you know, and it's like not to hammer at this, but this is really important. So here's the question. And if they can't really answer that definitively, then it's like, okay, then, you know, I can only really do a good job if I'm given all the facts and if it's open and honest, you know. So it's like, you, you, I think, pick that up pretty quickly. But then again, maybe that's just a result of being in this this damn business for so long.
1: Well, there's definitely a degree of bands will come. I'm sure you have this too, Life, because you do A&R as well. You know, bands come looking for a deal and they're like, and, you know, and you say, what's your sales history? And it's like mm-hmm. silence.
2: Yeah. Well, well, sometimes it is, you know, sometimes it's, it's also maybe a case where Ben simply doesn't know and they feel like oh, no, sure. something, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, some facts are stubborn as they say, you know, um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, that's like the band that complains about this and that, and yes, I'm allowed to do this and that. And then all you have to do is to actually reread the contract to figure out that, you know, they probably don't really know what they're talking about. And if you are in a certain deal that you think you're free of and you're not, then, well, you know, we can, we can skip a lot of time of discussing around possibilities.
0: And it's, it's okay because, you know, it's sort of like in a way, a lot of what we're doing, because there's always a confidentiality in there, right? So it's sort of like the Dr. Priest sort of thing. Um, Dr. Priest would be a good name for a band, by the way. Um, but Um, you have this thing where it's like, look, I understand if when you go out and talk to friends or whatever, and you need to give like inflated sense of maybe your, you know, success or whatever it is. But when it's just us talking, just be real, be very, very real because the, you know, the more honest you are, the better I can help you. Cause if I go out and then ask for something based on numbers you gave me that were wrong, and then it comes back and people prove that they weren't, I look like the idiot so it's yeah it's it's, um i would say it's sort of like paramount that you have that sort of that honesty that cuts through everything but in in return you have to do the same maybe tell them like i just don't see this happening for you or like you know what you're after i don't think you're going to get that budget or that deal or that tour or whatever it might be
2: and and i don't know if and i don't know if we need to stress this but not really good at bluffing like i think this goes for both of us right I don't even believe that it that it in a in a in a healthy long term situation you start out with bluffing.
0: No, or at least you have to be like ready to be called on it. You know, I mean, there's like the poker player in me that that can do that, but you really, I mean, it's it's a gamble, and you have to be ready to you know to get called, sitting there with a two nine off suit or whatever. Um, sorry, life bad example. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, I I do think that you have to at least come in with something realistic because some people just go in and just ask for ridiculous things, whatever, hoping that they can get it down to something decent. But if your starting point is just absurd to begin with, to me, it's like there's not even a point getting into a conversation. So it's like you have to come in from both sides. It's like, I understand why you want to do this and why we want this, but there has to be a way that we can find where, yeah, we both are a bit unhappy, but. That's where we find the sweet spot.
1: So, talking about the sweet spot, you know, how do you make bands aware of certain sort of financial realities that are going to be inherently limiting?
0: I don't think most bands are really expecting to make a a full time living off the music, fortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of who we're dealing with, they have jobs, you know, whether it's part time or something they can get rid of when they tour or whatever. So, I don't think there's that many coming in where they're like, we thought we were going to be making X, and instead we're making yeah Y, um, or life. Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: No, I, I would agree. Maybe this goes back to the mid-sized uh, situation that I that I mentioned before. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that sometimes when when the numbers and expectations are way too off. Uh, um, you know, sometimes it is is—it is heartbreaking. It's as heartbreaking as it is to tell a band that you really don't like them and you don't think that they will fit to you well, while they're so sure that they are fitting. Um, you just have to say that, I guess. You know, I mean, that's thats just the way it is.
0: Did we fail to answer that
1: question? No, that's a good one.
2: I think I got sidetracked by the end, right?
1: No, but you know, we're getting kind of into this, like, weird like philosophy of the music industry space that I really enjoy (laughs) because I think thinking about what you are why you do what you do is important
2: yeah and 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 ultimately you know I I rather paint the picture a little bit more negative than it than maybe is just to you know to to stress that Point of um, realism that you that you need to always keep, even when you're talking arts, even when you're talking heavy metal, and everything is fantastic and amazing, and and the sky's the limit. Um, you know, a lot of musicians um, end up coming back and being disillusioned, and I wanna I wanna avoid that. You know, if possible, I would like to to work in situations where maybe the the outcome is better than expected, and everybody's motivated to to keep pushing rather than you know rather than expecting too much than uh, at some point being sobering up and realizing that this whole thing was was just a waste of time maybe um yeah i don't, I don't know if that works for all of the cases but i I sometimes try to go in with that attitude and not not to belittle or keep keep people like like um out of big goals, uh, I've actually—I got to be honest—I've heard that before. You know, somebody has told me, "Well, you, you don't believe in the big picture, you don't believe in the big final." Re-. And I'm like, "Well, most of the cases that doesn't happen, right?" And if if two percent of the cases break through big, I don't want to have to lie to ninety-eight percent of the the other cases, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And like, and I think let's face it, there's a few bands out there that get by purely on willpower on just pure tenacity they will not give up and they are still i would say you know let's see even modestly successful bands to this point even maybe more than they deserve to be because they just refuse to quit and you have to respect that you know and but to me I'm like I want the bands to be hopeful and I want the bands to know what they want and to just go for it and just go for it above and beyond anything else and I feel like it's my job even and that's just how I am anyway you know I always temper my expectations because I would rather be pleasantly surprised then i would disappointed you know i never like to get my hopes up and then have them dash so like i'm always kind of keeping them down a bit and then when it happens i'm like oh, that's that's awesome that's great um but that's to just sort of like a you know a life philosophy but yeah i think for the bands like if you know if you really believe in it you you have to you have to like heart and soul believe that you're going to get there and nothing is going to stop you because sometimes that's what you need to do you just need to knock it out through sheer will sure, at the,
2: at the same time, though, my my problem is that you know there there is there's and and like I said, not to not to talk, try to talk badly about somebody else's attitude to it. Um, there's people in the music business that will promise you the world that would promise you way too much of what what realistically will actually happen, and not because the band doesn't deserve that it could happen. It's just the fact that they do it because it's a it's a routine in their business presentation, right? Yes. In, in their scheme, they're they're gonna. They're going to tell you, of course, in two years I'll have you there headlining and playing that big open air festival at its main stage. The reality is nobody can say that. Nobody knows that. There is so so many things that come into the that come into the mix that I find that unfair to just like like yeah like to to sort of promise that to a band and then after two years what happens is the band is either broken up or. Uh, that partnership doesn't exist any longer because obviously, you know, realistically it didn't happen, right? So yeah, I, I, I'm trying to avoid situations like that uh, because I just see them, um, yeah, I, I just see them exploited a little bit too oftentimes otherwise.
0: Yeah, it's, that's that's it. You know, so like I said, the artist has to believe in it, but there there are people that will just like, you know, sort of like the the yes men that stand around you and tell you that everything you do is great and, you know, oh, it's going to be wonderful, whatever. And sure, I just need 15% off your top and, you know, whatever. And I'll take a bit of this and take a bit of that. And oh, don't worry, I'll take care of your accounting for you and all this. Um, and uh, yeah, you need to be kind of careful there. You You can't just fully commit to um, you know, I'm just going to play my guitar. I have people that handle the business. I don't need to worry about any of that because there's been way too many cases where, you know, something went wrong. Um, or yeah, they just need to pay like slightly better attention to like the bottom line. Um, but you, you do see it like all the time. And that's a problem. Like I've said, when, when someone says that there's no accountability for it at the end, the band splits up, the manager goes on and, you know, he's still got like whatever, 99 other clients or like hey, not even a manager, let's say. But yeah, we see it a lot. Labels will do the same thing or whatever. You know, someone like, oh, yeah, we're going to make you the biggest thing. They're, yeah, as you said, there's no guarantees. And unfortunately, a lot of those people are going to be bitterly disappointed in the end.
1: Yeah. And it's hard because it's obviously tempting to like you want to believe in people and you want to be able to tell them. Yes, I have faith that you can go play the main stage of Hellfest or whatever. You know, what I've found, I'm kind of curious for your input on this. With some of my clients in terms of goal setting, you know, we've really started to ratchet the goals to something that's like, I always call it like pushing, but realistic where it's like, okay, like, realistically in two years you could be on one of these four labels like that seems like a reasonable attempt but we're going to push to be on this label that's sort of the next tier up mm-hmm. how do you kind of identify goals with fans
2: well i mean f- f- most importantly you start that line of thinking after hearing out the band and after knowing what their goals are and then you you maybe frame them a little bit you maybe rectify them um I tend to trust what I see happening otherwise in the moment that, that, uh, that a situation comes up, like, you know, if, if for whatever reason, something is just not realistic in the, in the business and in the scene in that moment overall, then, you know, then that's, uh, then that's what I will go with, you know, just my own experience. Um, and then, um, yeah, hopefully,
0: I don't know. Um, uh, Hmm. I think it's good to constantly, like, you know, if you're a band, I think it's always good to maybe shed, set like um, shorter term goals. And almost like you said, like, OK, in two years, we want to be with one of these labels. And then if you get there, then you just readjust the goalposts. And you're like, OK, we're here now. Where do we want to go like in a couple years? Because if you're just starting off and you're like, we're going to, yeah, like I said, we're going to, you know, close out uh, main stage Valken one day. I mean, it sounds great, but you have to have kind of a plan as well how you're going to get there. You can't just, like, put your trust in everyone else's hands, let someone else do all the work and expect it to happen. It's like you really got to roll up your sleeves and work and work and work and work really hard. I mean, there's very, very few of those bands that got to that position without working their asses off, like, to do that. Um, you know, it, it just... Because, let's face it, we're not really in the, the pop field. You know, it's not like one hit single is going to launch you to the top and therefore all of a sudden you're, like, in that position. It's like, no, it's... It's breaking and,
2: your back, yeah, and and, and there is not always like a clear formula for it. I mean, it, it's the, the more business understanding and and the more of a you know uh, fair plan that the band has by themselves, the the probably the the better the chances are with it. But but it's but it's not like there is this one formula that is going to break no matter which artists, right? So I I think it always makes sense to understand what what the bands what the artist's goals are and also remind them on the fact that the key to reach any place is always going to be with him, right? It's not going to be with other people because those other people around you, they will change, they will shift, they will disappoint you. They will come back to you. Um, uh, but in the end of the day, it's your career and it's your happiness and it's your output that will matter hopefully for a long time. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it just breaks my heart sometimes when, when some people just rely mostly on someone else's, you know, uh, um, Performance basically rather than his own, and uh, yeah, I try not to forget that part.
1: So, for a long time, you were the front man of the band Do Scented.
2: Oh, I'm not sure we were supposed to talk about that, right? Oh, we don't
1: have to talk <laughs> about that.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. All good. All good. Uh, n- not while uh, the court case is going on, Matt.
1: <laughs> is there a court case going on? <laughs> no. <laughs> now I feel bad. <laughs> no, no, it's it, 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 it's all
2: good. You know, like I, it's it's just weird because I, I'll I'll be I'll be flat out honest. I always try to sort of like not make it a point that I'm that I'm like in a band while I'm working at the, you know with with the label or in the scene at the same time sure. you know when, when I'm working the scene or, or working at the label I'm trying not to rub it in everybody else's ears that I'm also playing with the band uh, but but yeah and at, at this point the band is done right so I might as well
1: talk about it so you so you were talking about how it breaks your heart to see people leaning on other people's hard work mm-hmm. how does that manifest like Obviously like clandestine is interesting because like you work together but separate. Like you ha- like you own the company together but you kind of each have your own things you're good at. Right? Yeah. So then within a band structure, how do you how do you sort of handle that idea of like cuz you know, and I don't even know if this was the case in Ducented, but I, I know it's the case in most bands where one or two guys do you know, do 95% of the work and they pay 95% of the bills. How do you deal with that reality? You know, that most bands at this point, honestly, are just solo projects or duos with a backing band.
2: I will have to be brutally honest, we never looked at the band as a business. So it never really made financial sense in that sense. You know, we we were just trying to have the best time possible with it and sort of understood who in the band is better at doing what, you know, and some guys were horrible at doing anything but music. So they did the music. Right. And I just happened to be this, the band's manager that was given the microphone at the same time. Um, so, you know, like I, I prearranged and steered a lot of the things. Um, and then maybe somebody else was better with planning the road trips. So he did that part. Uh, uh, when it comes to the, to the um, finances though, I don't think we necessarily in all the 20 I don't know 5 26 years that we actually did the band I don't I don't think that we ever really had a really clever business plan I mean we we had you know we had good labels involved we tried not to lose money we uh, we we had we had good management even uh, at the very early point of time when I wasn't managing the band myself um but um i i don't actually think that we had this long-term plan or even the the um, yeah the the, the business savviness to the band to me it was always like a a very dear i used to call it full-time hobby you know like i would spend all the time that i had with the band at the same time it didn't need to make me money yeah like, so that, that was a very privileged uh, position, and, you know, uh, w- we all tried to be in a situation where we could take all the time off that we needed for the band. So sometimes, I mean, I, I broke it down to one one year we played a hundred shows where while people were still in full-time jobs. That's that's not easy, but it's doable, right?
1: I Actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I have this really cute memory. You and I, when I was, I think, probably 16, you were on tour with Death Angel. Wow. You were not 16, what year was that?
2: That would have been 2013,
1: 13, 14? It was 2013, then I was 17. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. But I have this very clear memory of stage diving during a do-scented set uh, on that Death Angel tour and us fist bumping while I was crowd surfing.
2: Holy shit, that's awesome. I love that. I, I don't I, I don't have that memory of you being being that guy, but uh, wh- where was it? It was in Paris. I th- yeah. Yeah. On oh, the boat. On the boat.
1: No, it was not the boat show. It was a separate show.
2: No, no, but 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 the the there is this boat location though. Yeah, there Paris, there's so two we, boats. Yeah, and I think we played the one with the Death Angel on that tour. Yeah, okay. Boul Noir, I think, right?
1: Yes. That that place was awesome. Yeah. But point being, weird memories aside. <laughs> How do you suggest then, so if Scented wasn't a business, you know, and, you know, which makes sense and it's oftentimes the, the best structure when you're kind of a band like that. And well, of,
2: according to my tax advisor and, uh, and, uh, and our government, it was a business. <laughs> so so
1: it, it, it was on paper it was actually a business, but, but it wasn't a very cleverly handled one. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. sometimes the best way to run a band is to just be like, OK, we're just trying to have a good time. Mm-hmm. and not lose money what, how, do you, how do you kind of guide bands to this you know as because I think there's I think what I see a lot of the time is maybe it's a mid-level band who realize okay like you know death metal has a very limited earning capacity and that's fine and I'm okay with that but I'm sick of being the guy who does all the work and pays for everything how do you how do you help how do you guide those people along? Because that's obviously a common situation and a tricky situation to be in when you're just like kind of forced into being the main dude in your band.
2: It's a really difficult question. You know what bothers me the most? It was actually maroquinerie that we played with Death Angel, and I just realized that while you were talking. <laughs> I used to have a really good memory, but yeah, I you know, band is done, I, memory is done, I guess. But I knew it wasn't the
1: boat and I, I just yeah, didn't I, want to make you feel boat. bad
2: fuck no you you should always call me out for stuff like that Uh all
1: right so i just i just i don't want you to feel too old life
2: (laughs) yeah but but can
1: can you can you give me like the 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 very brief question again like just okay so yeah so 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 joking aside um the question is basically you you know so a lot of bands they realize there's a limited earning limited earning potential in death metal however you know and that's fine but they're still the guy who has to do all the work and pay for everything, and that's a common situation. How do you have? How do people? How do you encourage people to deal with that? How do you guide people to deal with that?
2: But but do you have to encourage people to do that? I mean, if it
1: if you don't have to does- encourage them, but you have to give them advice when they're. No, I yeah. think what you're saying
0: is, yeah. Like, what do you what do you tell the the band guy that finds himself being the only guy that's doing all the work?
2: Well, then I mean, I, I, then I guess you know he needs he needs to be be happy with that situation and be have it like mapped out with the rest of the guys in the band that it's you know basically his band and his say his final decision. Maybe he's the guy that getting the uh, getting the most rewards. I mean, if you're you know um, uh, if you're the guy writing all the music and all the lyrics, uh, you are very gentle if you're sharing it with. The others, you don't have to though by law, right? Um, and I would say the the, the same the same thing is um, the same thing is when when um, yeah when you look at the band as a business investment and you're doing all of the work, then you might as well um, have yeah have an, a a different understanding of the value of the members. And I'm not saying on a personal level or on a quality level or anything like that. And I'm not even going as far as saying like they should be hired guns or they should be considered session guys or not. Are not being a democratic situation that that five people have can can have five opinions added, adding up right, but nevertheless, if it's you doing all of the work, you're doing all of the investment, you're carrying all the risk, um, then I think maybe your opinion will matter a little bit more than some of the, the some of the other guys' opinions. I mean, the I, I can tell you from from my own personal experience would you sent it, that. We went through a lot of lineups and through a lot of member changes because of that reason. Because in the end of the day, some of the other guys were not going to push it through the way that I that I envisioned everyone should push it through. The the way that not everyone was willing to take risks. That not everyone was willing to reinvest. You know, I mean, at some points you make money. At some points you have to invest a lot of money to be able to reach the next level and the moment that not everybody is willing to do that then you you have to um, yeah you have you have like two uh, two different two different attitudes that that you won't be able to compromise on so yeah i mean to 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 put it mildly if you if that guy that is doing everything himself needs an opinion from an outsider of how to stay happy, I would say be very strict to yourself and be very open to towards the other guys in the band to make the roles clear. And uh, yeah, and hopefully and hopefully uh, understand whether you have a short term vision with the band and want to achieve a certain thing in the shortest amount of possible time. Uh, um, Or if you have a long term goal. Um, My goal with my band was to actually have a moderate level of fun and you know quote unquote success at the same time um, while not putting uh, while not putting myself um, um, at risk of burning out with it so like the longest time possible carry carry with that moderate amount of time and I think you know 25 26 years for that for that band was to me a successful uh, uh, yeah successful project in the sense of that we managed to, to keep up the quality level and the, the amount of fun time in a way that, that I was content with it.
1: Do you have any sort of final points you want to get at when it comes to sort of how you view clandestine interacting with the heavy metal industry
0: at large and how you view fans should be approaching freelancers? See, I mean, the weird thing is I, I enjoy talking about clandestine less than I enjoy just talking about metal and things like that. You know, like once it, once the topic turns towards me or something like that, I'm always a bit um, skittish. Um, but as far as, so what was the, the last point there about how, how fans um, should be hiring freelancers?
2: I, I guess it depends what you, what, what you like, what role of freelancing, right? But in, uh, in, in general, you know, any any area that you need to explore and need to get more support for uh, a freelancer is the best thing you, you can do, right? L- look around for the options. Look around for what you're expecting to get out of the corporation. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then, I mean, you can even get consultancy about freelancing people as well. I mean, we, we have referenced a lot of people to other good people and then hopefully... Um, ending up in the right match for themselves you know but um, yeah I, I, I definitely think that um, that there is a lot of good people out there you just have to <laughs> you just have to find them in the right moments for yeah. yourselves even like yeah. for in the right moment of your own career
0: yeah I mean, yeah, because if you just wade through the internet or whatever, it can be pretty difficult. It's, you know, it's just like it's difficult to find any really honest advice if you don't know exactly where to look. Um, I mean, and I'm guessing like when you look at freelancers, the the biggest things coming up probably are people in like publicity promotion. Um, and then you would have something, you know, as far as like legal or, you know, management or whatever. Um, you know, and publicity people, I would say it's it's good to utilize if you are at a level where it can benefit you, meaning you have music that's out there or you're playing a lot of shows and, you know, you could... You're, like, getting some traction, but you just don't know really how to take it to the next level, then getting the right publicist could, you know, definitely be a an asset to that, even if it's far as, like, just press, you know, at shows or advancing things or whatever. And then it's, I would just say anytime you're being asked to to sign something um, that makes sure you understand what you're signing. I'm not saying you need a, a legal advisor on that, but at least speak to someone that's maybe got some familiarity, maybe you know someone in some other bands that, that know a little bit, whatever, and could even say like, oof, you know, before you get into this thing that's, you know, a seven album deal with Roadrunner, you really might want to speak to someone about that. Whoops. <laughs> what but hey let's you know let's face it roadrunner i mean it's not roadrunner anymore like that but that was the deal they had to do like even monty was you know he's like it had to be seven albums minimum and it had to be master ownership and it had to be merchandise and whatever so all those things were like in there but it's like yeah that's just sometimes what it is but before you get into it and think like that's it we're set for life you know we signed a seven album deal Um, yeah just just make sure you understand really what it means and and it's explained to you that when you put your name there yeah that could be affecting you well i mean yeah some of those effects can go on for 30 40 years or more depending on what you're signing i think that's a good place to leave it off thank you guys so much
2: thanks matt welcome anytime
0: life no final jokes
2: uh i'm still struggling about the paris location so bad (laughs)
1: that was that thank you so much to the clandestine music guys ulan life for coming in talking to me sharing a lot of wisdom going very high level uh you know getting into some of the reasons behind why they do stuff obviously always an honor next week on the show we are going to have torgrim oire the booker of beyond the gates festival and also manager of abet gal and many others in the black metal space so that should be a really interesting listen i'll catch you then This episode was produced and sound designed by Brad Worrell at Soundwag. Music by Outburst and Killing Time, courtesy of Blackout Records. Indie Ninja's Attack is powered by Indie.Ninja, the freelance marketplace for the music business where you can hire designers, motion graphic experts, and top marketers to help you with all the thankless, invisible jobs that go into launching a record or career. Opinions expressed on this podcast may or may not be the opinions of Indie.Ninja Inc.